0: Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other amazing podcasts like No Straight Path, hosted by Ashley Menzies Babatunde. Now, by shedding light on the stories behind the shiny resumes, social media highlights, and job titles, No Straight Path aims to humanize success from the millennial perspective. Featuring guests from all walks of life, No Straight Path aims to inspire conversations around the nuanced perspectives of success. Now, some of these topics at home, you're going to love this show. Success is all about maximizing happiness. An interview with Esther Agbaji about finding your voice. Success is communal with Yvonne Doc Aswad. Now, if these topics are interesting to you, make sure to check out No Straight Path wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today you're gonna hear myself and Cap Chatfield at Podcast Movement. Cap Chatfield is the CEO of Reveal Media. They are a B2B podcast agency. We speak all things B2B podcasting. So how to use podcasting for your business. It could be selling a product to a business, it could be selling a product to a customer, but ultimately how do you use a podcast to build your brand, drive revenue, market, create more content. We cover all of this and more. All right. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to join Cap and myself. Uh, my name is Scott D. Clary. Um, I'm going to be walking through this presentation with Kath Chatfield. I'm going to give him a second to introduce himself on B2B podcasting, what it is and why you have to start considering it for your company. Um, it's a huge opportunity. Now, a little bit of background on me. Um, I obviously am an avid podcaster. I do a lot of other stuff too so my podcast it's called the success story podcast i interview incredible people um, we're part of the hubspot podcast network uh that's sort of like the side hustle turned into a very serious hustle i also um have worked in sales and marketing across a variety of organizations and right now i am chief executive officer of OmniPatch. we are a health tech and wellness company we do transdermal vitamins so an extremely exciting venture for me um, i've done a few different things in my career but this is my most current iteration so uh, amazing to meet all of you. And hopefully this provides an incredible amount of value. Um, so Cap, thank you for uh, for joining me and, and, and give yourself an intro too. Yeah,
1: thanks man. So yeah, my name's Cap Chatfield. I'm the CEO of a B2B video podcast agency called Reveal Media. And I'll just give a little bit of backstory about how Scott and I met. So we have our own show as well called B2B Podcasting of all things. Not the sexiest title, but at least you know what it's about. And we had Scott on our show this past fall. We had a great time talking about his show, his you know philosophy behind what we call show marketing, how to use a show in order to build uh, just awareness for your uh, leadership, build relationships at scale. And since then, we've built this relationship, and that's where um, he felt compelled to invite me to be a part of this. And we'll talk a little bit about how BB Podcasting, as far as the ROI goes, can lead to some really cool relationships that you otherwise wouldn't be able to find yourself in. And so
0: uh, I'm excited, man. Thanks for having me on the show. No, no, no. I'm, I'm super excited to do this. Okay. So let's, let's pull this up because then we can just riff off some of the, some of the topics that we put together. So the ROI, so the return on investment of B2B podcasting, um, let's uh, let's start going to the presentation, you know who we are now. Um, so, Obviously, when you think of podcasts, uh, there are some, there's a wide variety of of different types of, of categories and topics that uh, you'll listen to. But something that's sort of near and dear to my heart, because I mentioned that I'm actually uh, a CEO of a, a direct consumer and and CPG brand now. But for the majority of my career, I worked in enterprise and, and B2B sales. And I've worked in a variety of different roles that sort of uh, were evolving around tech. Um, and I think that uh, in the in the enterprise space or in the B2B space, I don't think that people have adopted podcasting as a marketing strategy or as a marketing medium as much as they should. And this is something that uh, now Cap does exclusively for brands. This is how he sets them up. But today I'm going to speak to you about why you should care about podcasting if you are a B2B brand coming from experience, uh, leading revenue and marketing, sales and marketing for B2B brands and all the different ways that you can set it up for a uh, short medium and long-term benefit for your organization. So there's, you know, in terms of like, literally the second you press record all the way through to how it's going to impact your marketing, how it's going to impact your sales, and most importantly, your revenue and all those other KPIs, uh, that if you, <laughs> if, if you're a functioning business, you care about, um, that's what B2B podcasting can do for you. So a couple just points um. just on this particular slide. And we'll go into each one in more detail. Uh, so it will help you streamline your narrative. It will help you um, basically communicate your narrative as a business in a much more meaningful and authentic um, and almost trust building way, a little bit different than just putting out content on social. And we all know that if a brand is putting out tons of content on social, Sometimes they have a really hard time connecting with their audience. Like when is the last time you commented on a post on LinkedIn by Coke, for example, like that's not something that many people do. Uh, it accelerates relationships with stakeholders that you will eventually want to connect with and could potentially be um, decision makers or buyers for your product. Again, distributes content at scale. It's a great content marketing um, tool. And then of course, generating demand. Um, Cap, go for it. What else?
1: I would just say, you know, we all have a content problem these days, right? I mean, this is, we're in a post-COVID world. I was just reading this deck um, by this group called the Edelman Group. They did, they uh, partner with LinkedIn every year, and they basically create like a a thought leadership impact study. In other words, how does thought leadership content actually influence B2B, you know, business decision-making? And one of the things that I discovered as I was reading that was, as you could imagine, post-COVID, there's just there's so much more uh there's so much more demand for content on the internet in the B2B world. I mean, the buyer's journey has just changed dramatically. People aren't, you know, they they aren't needing to do business belly to belly anymore. They're they're actually willing to make pretty large transactions over the internet. But in order to build that trust with your audience, you have to have content that allows them to get to know who you are on their own terms. So, just like you were saying, Scott, just about that that trustworthiness. But the, the thing about creating a ton of content is like, if you try to create too much content, sometimes what you do is you compromise on the depth of that content. Conversely, if you go too deep with your content, where most B2B are thinking about like papers and webinars, they haven't figured out a system to be able to scale that so they can create content that creates all of the touches that's that's needed for us in the digital world today. I firmly believe, and I know that you believe this too, Scott, because I see the flywheel of how you build your own brand. The B2B podcasting model, particularly the video podcasting model, is the most efficient, effective, and elegant way to create meaningful content at scale, which allows you to build that relationship with your audience. But, you know, it sounds great on paper, Scott. I think you and I could agree that it's it sounds easy. Gary, we talk about this stuff all the time. But when you put a pen to paper and you try to actually make this thing happen, there's a lot of challenges. And so I'm going to go to the next slide and just show, you know, what's the dark side of B2B podcasting? And so, Scott, I'll let you take it from here. But like, what are some of the challenges that we see when B2B brands they first get excited about possibly starting a show? But then when push comes to shove, they're like,
0: oh, my goodness, this is way more challenging than I thought it would be. I mean, the average CMO, um, these are the words that like immediately come to mind. Like they're not too hard to, to comprehend, like expensive, like how do I do it? The production, the hiring, the team to do it. I don't know what the, you know, my, my, I don't have a, a a position in my organization between uh, the person that writes my copy and my graphic designer and my head of, you know, uh, performance marketing or, um you know, somebody who focuses all on social. Like I don't really have that role already within my organization. So I have to make the decision. Like, am I going to um, hire somebody net new, or am I going to try and figure out somebody in my existing org to sort of manage this? And it's, it's, it's an expensive decision and mostly it's expensive because what's expensive in B2B, right. Or what's expensive in any marketing campaign it's when it can't be measured. So I could totally justify maybe like a sixty seventy thousand $70,000 salary. If I could measure the ROI of the activity of that person, but I'm going to just, I guess we can sort of skip time consuming because that sort of speaks to itself, but, um, hard to measure success. So if I have somebody who is constantly, uh, putting together, you know, uh, a script for a podcast, reaching out to guests. So there's all these different steps. So if we actually, actually your cat, walk me through the steps when you do, uh, all the different steps and then, cause I want to sort of frame why it could be risky or, or, or expensive or time consuming based on all the different steps. But then we can talk about how to do it at scale. So what are the steps involved in podcasting?
1: Okay. Oh, man, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you know, what we've discovered even in our sales process is, you know, there's that phrase, people, uh, they'll, they'll, they try to justify an emotional decision through reason. And so we have people that come to us, they're excited about the idea of starting their own show. And then once we start to talk about, you know, what it's going to take to do it, they're like, oh, my gosh, like, couldn't we just hire an intern to do this ourselves? And then we start to unpack what i'm about to share with you they start to realize whoa okay this is not just an intern's job especially if this is for a b2b company that has a reputation at stake right so we work with our customers the first thing we do is we work on strategy what's the purpose of this show ultimately what's the business development objective that we're trying to accomplish through this show i mean I wish every company had the luxury of just having some, some side cash that they could say, yeah, let's do like a fun venture and just see what happens. No, companies are, are trying to be very strategic about how they leverage even a content strategy like this to perform some sort of, some sort of business objective. Right? So we focus on what that objective is. We get clear on who the audience is that they want to reach in order to meet that objective. Maybe it's a customer, Maybe it's actually internal people. Maybe it's recruits. I mean, we're going through like the biggest uh, hiring shift, I think, in workplace history, quite honestly, where people are just they're having a hard time finding talent, keeping talent. How could it be a show to help find and retain quality talent for the organization? So, who's that audience? And then finally, number three, what's the premise for the show that connects those two things to connect the audience, to connect, connect that audience, to move them towards that objective? You create that show strategy then you create the branding for the show which really matters you want to make sure that it fits the feel of your organization we say everything communicates something so even like the music you're using the colors the fonts the dynamic the flow the length of it the frequency of output really creating a clear strategy for the production and distribution then we help them think through the actual season map so this is where we talk about hey you got 12 episodes in a season roughly what are those episodes going to be? Who do you want to invite on your show? What do you want to talk about? What objections in the sales cycle do you want to punch holes in through the content that you're producing so you can equip your sales team? Those are all the things that you want to think about so that you're not going in blind. Then you actually begin recording your podcast. Well, first before you record it, you got to promote it. You put the put word out there on LinkedIn, you tell your your current email list, "Hey, we're starting a show." You start inviting those featured guests on the show, you schedule times to record those episodes. And then you got to take that content and you got to basically publish the, or, you know, produce the full episode video, full episode audio, transcribe the audio so you can make a blog post or show notes out of it. Then you create the micro content for social media. You got your micro videos, you got your social graphics, you create an email newsletter, then you got to distribute it all. And then you got to write the, co- the copy, all the social captions for all of that content. And then you got to go on the back end and actually measure the effectiveness of that content. So I know, like, I just rattled off a ton of different things to you. But as soon as I, as soon as I have Scott, you could tell me how many people do you
0: think it would take to actually execute a project that big? Well, it would be, it would be project manager plus coordination across almost every piece of your marketing team, if they have bandwidth for it. Like there isn't a piece of between the copywriting to the, to the, to the show notes, to the research, to the guest invites, to the emails, to the, um, uh, video edit like everything it's like, it touches every piece of your marketing team, which is why Again, if you don't know how to measure success, it becomes risky and super scary. So we understand the process. We understand a lot of pieces to it. That's why CMOs will make the decision to do it in house when they start to actually unpack it, but let's figure out how we actually measure it. So then it can make actual sense for a company to take on. I think that's probably the most important thing. Cause we all know it's very time consuming. We all right. know that it's very difficult to do at scale, unless you can figure out how to do it properly. And then we can sort of actually, so we'll go through that and we'll fig- and we'll show you the benefits of, of how to do it effectively, actually, sorry, we'll show you the benefits of if it's done effectively, but then we can also speak about how to do it effectively so that it isn't as, um, isn't as much of a lift. Yep. Love it. So, uh,
1: Scott, if I can, I'd love to just jump into this real quick yeah, because as we're, as we're having this ROI conversation, one of the things that we really try to help people really in the qualifying phase of our, our own sales process is how do you think about ROI? And so for any if you're a B2B enterprise out there or even a B2B solopreneur or a small business owner, there are ways that you can do this on your own. I'm not saying that you have to hire an agency to do it for you. I mean, Scott's a great example. Scott does a lot of his own content creation on his own. It does take him a considerable amount of investment of time. He's He's really got a knack for it too. Some businesses are in a place where they can do that. Others aren't.
0: But here's what I would say is really but the important. thing is I want to say the point is you should be doing it regardless. So we're gonna talk about 100%. why you should be doing it regardless. Yeah.
1: You should be doing it regardless. But before you begin doing it, what we try to help our our customers or just people in our, our network think about is there has to be a mindset shift about how you look at ROI. Because yes, there are ways which we will talk about where you can actually track how much revenue is being attributed based off of How many listens to specific episodes or how many, you know, people are consuming certain pieces of micro content on organic social or even using that organic content to create paid uh, paid media, which we'll talk about in a little bit, which is exciting. But what we got to talk about more than the revenue is the reputation that you're building as a thought leader. And this is particularly because, as we had mentioned, the buyer's journey has just changed tremendously. And I want, uh, you know, there's I want to share this. When companies think about revenue first, they start making really weird decisions. And I think, you know, you as a customer, as you're listening right now, you can think about a time when a business only saw a dollar sign over your head and it made it made them treat you in such a way or treat the process in such a way that really compromised their reputation with you, which actually has compromised more revenue for them in the long run, right? And I think even as a business owner, Scott, I can admit, that there's been decisions that i've made that have only looked through the lens of revenue first and it's compromised reputation and it's really compromised revenue actually in the long run and so one thing that i i want to help customers think through when they're thinking about doing their show is if you capitalize on a reputation and think about this as a reputation at scale tool that that's that is going to lead to revenue in the long run so just a little bit of something to think about as far as uh the value of reputation for ROI, it will lead to revenue if you do it correctly.
0: 100%.
1: So we wanna make sure that we're uh, timely with you know, talking about the rest of this. So we are gonna cover the short-term, medium-term and long-term plays for ROI when it comes to doing a B2B podcast well. So Scott, how about you tell us a little bit about the short-term specifically when it comes to
0: key relationship acceleration? So if you think about the production of the actual podcast, if you want to be producing a B2B podcast, the goal is to create content that resonates with your ideal customer profile, buyer persona, your potential decision makers. How do you do that? It's very tactical. You're bringing on people onto your show and you're having interviews with them to create that long form content that can in turn be used to uh, be distributed across social, be uploaded as a blog on your website. It can be used for ads later on. But how do you create that initial piece of content, that initial podcast? What's that strategy? Usually a good way is to interview other decision makers that represent your ICP and your buyer persona, your ideal customer profile, your buyer persona, so that all the content that's derived from that key piece can then be useful and can be educational which is obviously the goal of all marketing. You want to be educational and helpful and useful for the person that could be buying your product. So relationship acceleration, why does this, why am I speaking about relationship acceleration? Because when you have that initial interview to create that podcast, not only are you creating great content it's going to be useful for all the other things you're going to be using that content for, but you're literally building a relationship with that person that you're literally sitting in front of, or maybe sitting on a zoom session with interviewing. So you're building a relationship with a key decision maker that could be eventually a customer. And you're using that to eventually reach a whole bunch of others through content distribution and all the other ways that we're going to break a podcast down. So cap, this is something that you put together, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, if you've ever sold anything to anybody, um, you know, it's obviously not easy, but this is just an example of if you're trying to get somebody on a call as a sales rep, you're going outbound, uh, cap, speak about your, your results here.
1: Yeah, basically we just did a very simple experiment. I know that anyone who's listening right now who's on LinkedIn, you know what it feels like to get a new connection uh, in your uh, notifications that you're excited about and then you open it up and you discover that it was some sort of robotic, uh, you know, cold DM to try to sell you or to get you on a demo call. So I did an experiment where I messaged 100 people that represented my ICP to invite them to get on a demo call for our product. I got zero, uh, zero people on that demo call. Even five, only five people actually even responded to tell me no. And then, so there's that end of the experiment on the other end, I reached out to a hundred other people that represented my ICP that I felt like would be a genuine fit to be on our podcast. Over 50% of them responded positively and ended up coming onto the show. And so think about that to get 15 minutes with somebody on a demo call, I got zero responses to have 60 uninterrupted minutes on a video call to build relationship and really understand how they think about their business. I had an over 50% success rate on that. And so the key is obviously having a great show that your customer or your ICP feels like they'd be a good fit on, but there's something about, they know that they're gonna get PR out of it. They're gonna get content out of it. It opens the door to begin relationships with people at like such an accelerated rate. So it's, it's undeniable. So let's, uh, let's hop into the medium term now. So Scott, why don't you take
0: it away? Okay. So, uh, medium term, obviously you're going to have a ton of content from these episodes, right? So this is great to use for all of your other marketing activities. Um, first of all, if you're going to be using it for top of funnel content as ads, uh, you can literally like, if you're going to be using this content properly, you're repurposing it short little video clips. We're going to talk about using those on social later on, but um, you can repurpose this as ad content again. If the main pillar content is in line with the ICP and the buyer persona, then all the derived, all the derivatives from that main pillar content is going to be useful in anything else you do in terms of marketing activity. So you can use it as top of funnel content as ads, so video ads. Um, obviously, if you're using it for top of funnel, you're going to fill your pipeline with qualified leads because how do you know these leads are qualified? Well, they're responding to uh, they're responding to information that they find useful that again, aligns with your ICP or buyer persona. That's why it's so important to get that first, uh, I guess the show concept and that pillar content down so path so that everything that's derived from that is useful. Um, and then you're leveraging content to shorten sales cycles. So this has a lot to do with, uh, content distribution, building trust, right? So if you look at modern day numbers, anywhere between like, it depends where you look 70 to 90% of the buyer's journey, All the research that's done is done before somebody even connects the sales rep. So if you think about that, um, what's going to resonate more with you, uh, a little text ad or a little text post on LinkedIn from a brand, or perhaps the CEO of a brand interviewing a CMO of another brand talking about something that's really important to you. That's going to help you in your job. Obviously that's going to build a ton of trust. It's going to be way more valuable. And then that's going to allow you to learn a little bit more about the company, feel like that company is more human. You also get to see the people that are involved in the company. You're, 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 listening to them. You're watching them if there's video involved and that's going to basically ramp up your trust with that company. So that by the time you actually communicate with the sales rep from the brand that's putting out the podcast, you've listened to their CEO for like two, three, four hours. You, they, that CEO's had all these intelligent conversations. You've got all these great ideas that you can incorporate and help you with your job just out of the content that you're consuming that this brand is putting out. So that's going to in- incredibly expedite the-, the sales process just because you're putting out this content that is helping basically them get from not knowing your brand to fully trusting your brand and your product before they even talk to any sort of sales rep.
1: I want to just say as we finish up this slide, this isn't just theory. Like the, sl- the screenshots you're seeing on this this slide right now, this is what we're doing as a company for our own product, taking cuts or clips from our own show. As you can see, actually, on this list of LinkedIn ads, um, Scott, we have, a, we have a clip from an episode we did with Scott as our second ad that we're running. And so the purpose of this is actually not to sell a product with the, with the content we're putting out, but to demonstrate expertise and leverage LinkedIn ads to get that content in front of your ICP at a way faster rate, and it add, it is actually leading to qualified leads entering our pipeline. As you can see, that little HubSpot, uh, the little HubSpot screenshot, you know, that notification we get in our Slack thread. But then also to, to Scott's point about leveraging content to shorten sales cycles, we take content, we create content specifically to help overcome objections in our sales cycles, such as this little PDF that you see. We created an ebook out of an episode that we send to customers. That want to understand understand more about what show marketing is and how it can affect their business so it can be a very strategic way to help you get in front of your icp faster and help nurture leads through the sales pipeline we're coming to the end here so let's uh, let's bring it home scott why don't you tell us a little bit about the long-term effect that happens okay. when you engage in the b2b
0: video podcast strategy so a few things so this is this is all great so so far uh, we've had short-term, we've had conversations with people that could be potential clients. That's a short-term ROI. We're building relationships medium term. We're using it for a content uh, distribution and maybe potentially for uh, creative for our paid ads. And then long-term let's talk about measuring, um, the actual, the actual efficacy of the podcast and the listenership of the podcast and tying that back to sales. So, um, I'm going to talk about, uh, just how you can purely measure it. So there's tools like casted and pod sites. And what these tools allow you to do is they allow you to um, actually tie back the listeners of a pod, a podcast to conversions on your website. So you can and then also on top of that, you can track the demographics, you can track the the location, um, you can track the age, you can track the, you know, a male versus female. Um, And then on top of that, you can actually see because what these two particular tools do. And there's a couple others. They can track the IP address of the podcast downloader. They can track um, the actual session data of the podcast downloader. And then they actually build out widgets that allow you to track the conversions across uh, across your different assets and digital real estate. So you can actually understand if a listener of your show is turning into um, into a c- customer lead or whatnot. So that's probably the most direct correlation tied to revenue. So you can use some enterprise tools and sort of analytics focused tools to get a better understanding of how that listenership and that audience is actually converting into dollars. Cat, um, there's a couple other things I want to you can go into. I
1: would love to I would love to hit the dark social piece because this is such a, a big conversation in the B2B marketing world right now is what's happening in dark social, dark social, if I can summarize it like this, it's everything that's happening on the internet that can't be tracked uh, neat and tidily in software, you know, in, in like the spreadsheets or the, the PDFs that software pumps out. It's the conversations that's happening in internal Slack channels. It's the conversations that's happening through text messaging. Usually these types of conversations are actually the most valuable because they're happening amongst people where a lot of trust are built. And I want to share this example. This is literally. A micro video that you see on on the screen right now. This is an example of a micro video that we pulled from an episode with a guy named Steve Schmidt, who's truly a thought leader when it comes to um, outbound cold calling for B two B companies. In this clip from our episode, he did a three minute role play. This was totally spontaneous. We did a three minute sales call role play, and this clip it was so astounding because it really showed how he does cold calling and people saw the clip and they just flocked towards it. And not only that, they started to share this clip amongst their internal sales teams because Steve was able to demonstrate what it looks like to do a cold call. Well, I, re- I reached out to him after that. Cause he said that he got some business from this little clip that we published for him. This wasn't even his own show. This was just an episode that he hopped on with us, but on our show, I asked him how much business he generated from that one micro video. And he said he got $60,000 worth of business because people reached out to him and said, Hey, we've been sharing this clip amongst our sales team. We want you to come and train our sales team on how you do what you do. And so, I mean, golly, Scott, like that, that metric, it's, it just wouldn't have been able to be tracked neatly through HubSpot or through Salesforce or some of these other softwares out there. But the ROI is definitely there. You got to do a little bit of digging, you got to have those conversations. But Steve was able to demonstrate himself as a thought leader in a relatively short amount of time, which absolutely contributed to the growth of his business.
0: 100%. So that that sort of wraps up like the, the short, medium and long term of, of podcast ROI. Um, I guess, uh, you know, in conclusion, um, I'll, I'll let Caspi to this slide. But just from my perspective, uh, it, it's almost ignorant not to because I find that podcasting, it's ignorant not to start a B2B podcast. And the reason why is because there are not many other channels that sort of build trust, build brand, and then also can be like, signif- like uh, uh directly tied to performance objectives, KPIs, revenue conversion. It's difficult to get all of those things in one channel. You can always have different marketing activities that can be performance driven, like paid media and, and media buying and whatnot. You can also have more fun uh, activities like speaking at events and you can argue for the ROI of events and whatnot, but podcasting does all of that. Plus it's evergreen, plus it's scalable. So in my opinion, and you know, Cap is Cap is the one who does it for businesses. I, I don't do it for businesses. Um, I just partner with Cap because I love what he does and I believe in it, but I do believe that any business should be should be focused on this. Go ahead, Cap.
1: Close it yeah, up. I just want to say, if you're in that place right now where you're thinking about doing it, you know, try to get the the try to get production out of your mind, try to get creating like really airtight systems out of your mind. Those are things that can evolve. You can, once you begin the content journey, you can start to see, okay, how do we, how do we perfect this thing? How do we make this thing more of like a machine? Here's what I would say you need in order to get started. Number one, Clarify the business development goals that you hope to accomplish through this show and the KPIs that you will measure to help you know if you're going in the right direction. Number two, identify that core audience, understand who they are, what do they want, and what stands in their way. Number three, pinpoint a show premise or a show narrative that's going to reach that specific audience, bring more value to fewer people. I can guarantee you if you focus on doing that, it is going to generate business for yourself. And then finally, number four, begin the content creation journey. Just get started. You can get started on your own. I can guarantee that there's ways that you can get started with you, yourself as a solopreneur, or with a small team. But I will say if you are interested in getting some enterprise level help, we are here to help you. You can visit reveal.media. You could book a demo with our team. We'd love to just share a little bit more about our services with you and at least help point you in the right direction as you begin your B2B podcasting journey. So. Scott, thanks so much for having me on. I think this was extreme, extremely valuable, not for our audience, but for
0: myself as well. No problem, man. So obviously connect and follow with both of us. You can uh, hit me up at scottdclary.com or at scottdclarycaps. What's your social?
1: Just look me up on LinkedIn, K-A-P-C-H-A-T-F-I-E-L-D, and let me know that you found me by uh, through this, this keynote that we got to do on Podcast Move. Awesome, man. Thank you.
0: Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching